0: I'm almost never satisfied by simply understanding the gist. It's never enough for me. No matter what the decision is that I'm going to make, I obsessively research. And as part of that obsessive research, I have realized that a whole lot of people that sound like they know what they're talking about are only regurgitating things that they have learned to regurgitate.
1: Episode 51 Aquariums Are Autistic.
2: Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history.
1: Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get Autistics to fit in with mainstream culture and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe.
2: Whether you are Autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the Linguistic Autistic,
1: and licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistic. Uh, super excited, Matt, to introduce you to my friend, my former employee and podcast listener and fan, Daniel Carroll. Daniel, meet Matt and our audience.
2: Hi, everyone. Good to meet you. This is going to be exciting. I can't wait.
1: This is a topic that many autistic people are into. I had a brief aquarium phase in my life we talk about museums and collections. And this is one of the few collections that neither Matt nor I have. So we needed to bring in reinforcements, somebody who is a true collector of fishies and biospheres and shrimpies. And Daniel and I have talked, we have many shared interests. Actually, Daniel was my director of marketing at Difference Press for a while. He's, he's amazing. And we loved working together. We're also, both into artificial intelligence. So, we've had a bunch of conversations about AI. And in the background, I always noticed these aquariums, like growing aquariums. There were always... I'm like, is that another one? What's happening with the fish? And then we're trying to have like business meetings, but I was very distracted because I am very distractible because I needed to know everything about his fish tanks and the biospheres and everything that's going on there. So Daniel, I'm super excited you agreed to come on and be a guest on our show uh, so that we could talk about all things aquariums, how you fell in love with them, what your current collection is. I want a deep dive on shrimp because, wow, I did not know anything about shrimp. I have never had a shrimp, but I found all of the web pages on the Internet. There is a lot to learn. Um, but let's just start off with um, how, how did you fall in love with aquariums? How did this uh, arrive as a special interest for you?
0: I had an aquarium when I was a kid and I always liked watching the interactions and adding new stuff and see what happened. But then there was a huge gap where I didn't have a fish tank and I honestly didn't have any collections of things uh, earlier in life besides some coins
1: Besides the six collections I'm going to now rattle off. I didn't have any except except all the ones that I had that I didn't count. Right.
0: I, I guess that's true because we've talked about some of the other collections that I had as a kid when I would collect yeah. uh, statistics and demographics on what my neighbors were doing in a notebook ah. so, and yeah, all kinds of stuff, yeah. but...
1: And Uh, I'll tell you why (laughs) I loved having Daniel as a marketing director, because I would ask him a question like, I don't know, what was our click rate on an email? And I would get a spreadsheet. I would get macros. I would get an analysis. I was like, well, that is a lot. And then he would write a piece of software that would like improve our click rate or create A-B tests. I was like, was just a little question, but that is a very uh, great answer. Lots I like of this details. is the
2: way. <laughs> I like rabbit <laughs> holes.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes.
0: But so with, uh, with aquariums, aquariums might be the first special interest that I really realized how much it emotionally moved me and that it wasn't Ooh. just something that I was interested in. My kids for Christmas last year got a fish tank and that was the first Fish tank that I'd had in my adult life, um, and then since then there have been two more that I've added in this room, and uh, the diversity of plants and animals is uh, is getting pretty crazy. There's a there's only a couple of endangered species on the list. Um, but, uh, <laughs> awesome! Yeah,
2: where do we
1: start? Tell tell us about your fish tanks. Tell us about your fishes. I want to hear about the endangered species. Obviously, way to like. Uh, how do you do the
2: biodiversity? Carrot. How do you find the plants? How do you uh, how do you make a tiny world? That's so many details. We're here for it. Yeah, so making a tiny world
0: wasn't even what I thought I was doing in the beginning, but it definitely has turned into what I am trying to accomplish. And it was what I was trying to accomplish indirectly because specifically with this tank behind me, one of the things that I wanted to do is I wanted to create a really natural looking environment that looked like you could find it in any swamp or woods, but I wanted to taint it with some kind of alien touch Because I knew that I was going to be, I built this whole tank specifically for the shrimp that I wanted. Everything in there, all the fish, all the plants, the way the pH is balanced, everything is circumstantial because of the shrimp that I wanted to get for this
2: tank. I love the bottom-up processing, (laughs) all the details, figuring out how to put all the details together. Please go on. Yeah, so um,
0: I started doing research about these shrimp. Um, I saw a video online that um that, that that showed some shrimp and I was convinced at first sight that these shrimp were um photoshopped or that it was something completely unreal because the they 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 exhibited colors and patterns that I'd never seen in nature before and uh, I started going down the rabbit hole of understanding what type of a species this is, how do you get it? And that's a whole story in and of itself because they're not sold in the United States anywhere. And uh, mm. I looked through examples of what other people were doing. And the, th- the thing that I didn't like was most of the people that have these types of shrimp have extremely barren tanks because they want to maximize breeding profitability so that make it real easy to scoop them out and sell them to people. And that's not what I was interested in. I was interested in developing a world that I could disappear into.
2: Yes. Yes. Uh, so
0: um, I just spent. And
1: so wait, like just like a little on the shrimp. I my knowledge of shrimp is shrimp cocktail and until I saw <laughs> your shrimp. So, yeah. can you talk about like what is because most people know shrimp is what you would buy in the grocery store and eat. These are not edible shrimp, are they? No,
0: no, they're oh, I eat no, I didn't
1: you know, I, well, I anything's edible eat. once, yeah, yeah, everything
0: is edible. And I, sus- I suspect that if you were starving and you had a big enough collection, that if you ate a few hundred of them, that you would be satisfied. But, uh, they're very, very They're tiny. Teeny the shrimp, and
1: they look like they look like aliens. I think that's part of the alien theme, right?
0: They, they do. Uh, the adult shrimp, uh, when they are at their largest, uh, I'm holding up my pinky finger, and I'm uh, indicating from the tip of my finger, finger to the second joint, and that's oh, about wow. how big. Uh, The shrimp will be when they are at their maximum uh, size. They never stop growing uh, from the moment that they're born uh, until the moment that they die, which is anywhere between two to four years, depending on how you feed them and what the temperature in the tank is. I will, if I can, I'll, I'll, I'll share a couple of pictures, yeah. and I can describe what uh, what I am showing. And as by well. the way,
1: Daniel's going to describe this, but we'll also put it in the show notes. And to access those, just go to autisticculture.substack.com, find this podcast episode, and you'll see these pictures as well. We're gonna we're gonna look at them and geek out.
0: Awesome. All right. So the first picture that I showed uh, is a group of three shrimp. And- Ooh probably countless snails. They're and very colorful. They are very colorful. Um, they the, the ones that we're seeing right now are a, a blend of black, green, and orange. Uh, and these specific type of shrimp are called cardina shrimp. And these are uh, like, a, if you think about a car, the make is cardina. And the model of this, of these shrimp are called boa shrimp. And boa specifically refers to the color pattern that they see on the head. Um, As you can see, especially in the adult shrimp uh, that are on the screen, the color patterns on their head are very big and very bold, where with most shrimp, if they have any kind of coloration, it's going to be a bit of a stripe uh, or it's going to be a completely solid color. So this is a really unique um, setup here to see shrimp that come in this variety of color. I've changed the image now to another picture, and um, this is more uh, we were looking at uh, on top of my filter. And now I've I've uh, brought the camera in between a lot of the plants, and you can see uh, a slightly different mutation of the colors where this shrimp is like a sparkly baby blue overlaid on a light orange with just a little bit of black patterns uh, in there uh, throughout. And this shrimp demonstrates uh, one of the harder things to get in this uh, selective breeding process because people are trying. I'm trying to make the shrimp look like this by controlling which males and which females are allowed to breed together. And if you, if you notice on the legs of this shrimp, the, it's got really good color banding all the way down, and it looks like spider legs. And that's actually it very really difficult uh, to get. Shrimp legs are usually one solid color.
1: So wait, is this a shrimp and, you bought or a shrimp you bred? Are these um, ones you bred? Ooh, you don't. So know.
0: these are these two biggest ones here are full-grown adults, and these are ones that I've bought. Uh, the one at the bottom is one of their offspring. Mm. This blue one is a purchased as well. This is a birth in the tank. This is another uh, shrimp that's predominantly orange and has a little bit of green undertone underneath the orange with, once again, black interspersed between.
1: Wait, I want to talk about your babies. Do you have feelings about Mm -hmm. your babies that are different than the ones you buy? Like, especially because there's some amount of like strategy and creating. A- so,
0: that's something that my wife asked me. And I had to think about it for a minute, um, whether or not I did have individual feelings for the babies. The babies, maybe, but my attraction here, what I am emotionally connected to, isn't the individual shrimp. Uh, Because I've had some die, and it's not a tragedy. What is a tragedy to me is a failure of the ecosystem. It's what I am in love with and what I get the, the satisfaction out of is coming in the room every morning. And the light turns itself on and they have their little sunrise and they get real active in the morning. And I like to come in and I like to see everybody gathered up, pecking away at the mum on the ground, finding whatever they want to eat, getting excited when I come and sprinkle something in. And every now and then something happens. Um I've got a CO2 tank on the backside of the fish tank. You can see some bubbles happening there and I'm dispersing CO2 into the tank to help with plant growth and to control the pH. And I ran out of that overnight one time and the pH did a swing. So everybody was upset. And I thought, I I looked on the ground because I couldn't see any shrimp anywhere in the tank. They'd crawled inside of the holes in the rocks and were trying to get away from the unfamiliar water. Uh, which caused me to go on an emergency trip through the town trying to find somebody at 8.30 a.m. to refill a CO2 tank so I didn't lose thousands of dollars worth of shrimp over the next couple of hours. Um, Mm. But now I keep extra CO2 on hand.
2: The system is amazing. Uh, All the complexities and all the different components necessary to keep it running. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, I'm the only person that I have seen so
0: far that keeps cardina shrimp in a normal planted tank. They're so sensitive to that pH adjustment to the, to flexi- or fluctuations in the pH balance that almost everyone uses one specific type of soil. They prepare their water in a very specific way and they go through all of these procedures Um, And I am using a lot of technology to actively monitor the pH and to adjust the CO2 that gets dispersed, adjust the intensity of the light so that I can trigger oxygen generation from the plants to change the acidity in the other direction if I need to take pH and swing it the opposite way. Um, And every time I show pictures, like there's a a community of people uh, where you have to go and bid on the shrimp in order to buy them. There's like one guy that flies to Thailand and brings back like a million dollars worth of shrimp on an airplane and then sells them out via auction on the internet. Um, And whenever I have shared photos of my setup, I'm instantly met with fury. Everybody knows that I'm doing it wrong and that I should not be jeopardizing the lives of these shrimp because these shrimp do not exist in the wild. These shrimp were selectively bred uh, from a species of shrimp that was common in mountain streams in Asia. um, And they have not existed in the wild for decades. Uh, Fascinating. Yeah, shrimp collection is a hobby Uh, That's very popular in certain parts of Asia and certain parts of Europe. They have these tournaments where you bring your prettiest shrimp and hundreds of people show up. And whoever has the prettiest shrimp gets five or ten thousand dollars and a medal and free equipment. There's sponsorships. It's this whole crazy thing. And I just I love it. I love that. Do you want to
1: do that? Are you doing that? Are you doing any of that? Right? I am amazed. I, I love this. this. <laughs> oh, it's so cool. I
0: haven't. I haven't done. I haven't done any competitions yet. I'm still in my first year, and one of the things that you need to have for the competition, uh, depending on which competition it is, is three to five almost identical shrimp. If the shrimp are too diverse in how they look, that's going to be points off automatically. So even if it's three and two of the most beautiful, if they don't look the same, then you don't score well. And I don't have enough shrimp that look alike to win any competitions. I've got a couple of really amazing stunners that if we only judged it based on one, that I would likely do very well. But um, I don't have... How many shrimp do you have? I don't know anymore. Um, of, of the... Like of the,
1: over 100?
0: So of the Cardina shrimp that we've been talking about primarily so far, I've probably got close to 50 based on how many I purchased and then how many babies that I have seen they're very skittish. So when they're young or when they're pregnant, I don't see them for like a month sometimes. And sometimes I'll get a glimpse of a baby and I won't see that baby again for another month because he's inside a rock or he's way deep inside of one of the moss bushes or he's crawled inside the filter or something. Um, But they... uh, They do. And I have a smaller tank um, that has an order of magnitude, probably more shrimp in it, just because it's gotten out of control and they are uh, more happy to breed. And these are uh, a neocardina shrimp. Uh, If if, if somebody that's listening is into the aquarium hobby and they've seen freshwater shrimp, they very likely have encountered neocardina shrimp. Uh, they come in a range of solid colors, predominantly from clear, white, blue, orange, red, green. Yeah, I've seen all kinds of really crazy colors. And and that's what I originally got into. I, I found the Neocardina shrimp in the local fish store. And I was like, oh, these shrimp are so blue. How did you get these shrimp to be so blue? I assumed it was some kind of a dye. And they were like, no, that's what they look like naturally. So I was like, all right, I want to do this. And then I found out there were crazy ones. And that's
2: what I've been hooked on ever since. When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, check out Angela's work at differencepress.com. differencepress.com and find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book. So how did you uh, figure out like the environmental factors and the plants and everything? Because uh, if the other Cardinia shrimp uh, people are upset about, you know, it should be as blank as possible for easily controlling the pH, but your shrimp are very happy and you want to make a naturalistic environment. How do you do the research to figure out the plants that are best for their environment that they like to be around, that makes them happy and healthy? How did you get into all that? So I think...
0: This comes from something that about me that isn't specific to fish tanks, but there's been a there's been quite a few things. Any hobby that I get, I go all in. I go down this the rabbit the hole, way. I learn everything. As Angela mentioned, I do some software development, like i I, I wrote some software that helps my 3D printers do its job better and I fly first-person drones as well and I help I, I have done different modifications to the onboard flight controllers so that I can have features that aren't provided by uh, the flight controller manufacturer awesome I, I'm I'm almost never satisfied by simply understanding the gist it's never enough for me it's <laughs> it, it, whenever whether somebody's trying to talk me into going to uh, on a vacation somewhere or whether or not I'm making a decision about a car that I'm going to purchase, no matter what the decision is that I'm going to make or whatever the thing is that I'm trying to get into... I obsessively research. And as part of that obsessive research, I have realized that a whole lot of people that sound like they know what they're talking about are only regurgitating things that they have learned to regurgitate. Um, So when I when when everyone was saying you have to do it this way, I wanted to know why everybody says you have to use this soil why do I have to use that soil? Well, that soil leaches out a specific chemical that helps buffer the pH and make sure that the pH stays below this. And everybody needs to have at least this much soil for this much water because somebody figured out that that's how much you need to just not have to worry about it. And if you do what everybody says, it just works. But that's not what I yep. wanted to do.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Exactly so
1: i I also this is where I struggle with test taking in schools because my best subjects, I would do the worst on the tests, especially multiple choice, which I believe was designed to kill me as a teenager um so when I got into Shakespeare, which is one of my first special interests, I didn't just want to read the one translation I wanted to read like every translation, so if it was Romeo and Juliet, I wouldn't like. I wouldn't just read whatever they gave me. I went back to the first folio and read multiple editions to see like how it changed and how like things were different. So then they would ask a question, like what's the best soil for breeding Cardina shrimp? And I would be like, well... (sighs) You might want me to answer this way, but this is not the correct answer. It's not the correct question. And it's not even the right question. So I would rewrite questions or I would rewrite answers in the margin. And I would be like, anyone intelligent, and right there, I've started with the wrong premise because they're teachers. But like, anyone who's grading this, you should read my analysis and margin notes and see that my refusal to select from your inadequate answers to your inadequate question is significantly better and also buy me flowers and invite me to teach this class. And instead, I would get a fucking (laughs) F... And then they would put my desk in the hall. So I would stop bothering people with all my fucking details. Where are my flowers? Like, why are these people in the (laughs) lovely aquarium Cardina shrimp community? Not like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Tell me more about your new pH app and sunrise in the tank. And how do you measure the pH? And where are you getting the bubbles? And like, why don't they want to know more questions? Instead, they're like, you must use this because we have, like, Julie, like, I have a whole theory. Like, shit was fucked up with Romeo and Juliet. That was, like, not her parents were right. That girl was young. Like, yeah. I don't, why is the answer they're star-crossed lovers? They went on one fucking date. In middle school, no less. 15.
0: In middle school. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's my problem so with I'm the like, new Yellowstone
2: show. Oh, yeah. Oh. I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard things. Well,
1: I have. I have mm.
2: But yes, yes, it's it's the the thing that uh, so many people want simple answers to simple questions. And they, they want to do a thing without understanding the thing. And the understanding is where the glory lies. The understanding is the it understanding the system is to commune with the infinite mm. because you get to, mm. you, you, you it, this is the beauty of the details.
0: Yeah. And and it's mm-hmm. one of the most confusing things that I experience personally about neurotypical people. Yeah. And in that I, I seek the truth. There, oh. There's no use in, in pulling the wool over my eyes and tricking myself or just playing along. And whether it be my experiences in religion, I started out uh, as a traditional Southern Baptist and um, at about high school age, I started exploring what everybody else was saying on the same topic, mostly within United States, typical uh popular religions. And then I went on to try to see what the differences are in what people on the other side of the world are talking about. And the thing that I didn't understand is how everybody's book is almost exactly the same. Yet they want to kill each other over the differences. And if we just had a true conversation with each other about what we think is right in life, then we would realize we're probably on the same page. But neurotypical people seem to not want to go into the conversation. I think it is what has fractured our country politically is that people just want to memorize their talking points from either side and regurgitate those, but they don't actually want to dive into the specifics of the details. It's also the same struggle that I have in my marital situation is I need to solve the problem and I need to talk about it right now. And it's really hard to give space for uncertainty. Um, yeah. Mm. So you,
2: you tell me how to get them to Because again, if, if there's a problem in the relationship, it's like a CO2 tank. It needs to be fixed immediately. Yeah. And right, this ties well die. into our Christmas Thousands episode. Yeah. This ties into our Christmas episode with the discussion of hope and everything and, you know, the uh, the, the world war and, the, you know, the, the Christmas armistice. And yeah, it's, it's finding out the truth benefits everybody. But the people who want simple answers are often afraid of complex answers because truth is mm, rarely as simple as, yeah, people. The truth is and wait, rarely isn't simple. Isn't there
1: also a hyper-connected brain thing here, Matt? I don't know. I you know, could oh be God, going yes. out of my zone. But it's like we can hold, I think, a lot more because of our hyper-connected brains of like, this is true. This is true. These things might seem in conflict, but they're not. And if yeah. you had more pruning happening you wouldn't see as many detail like we're seeing, yeah. you know, we're experiencing more. So anyway, you do it. You're well, the smart one.
2: Well, well, that's the thing. It, <laughs> uh, so uh, studies have shown that our brains process 42% more data at rest than neurotypical people do because, and, and that's the thing, because of uh, autophage, because of synaptic pruning, because of them actively deleting connections, they, they, They literally can't make the connection between point A and point D because they've deleted the hardware necessary to make those connections. Mm. And they claim it's due to efficiency. But uh, it, it, it really gets a lot of nuance and a lot of subtlety and a lot of you know, complexity out of the world because we're constantly churning through data. We're constantly making connections. We're constantly, again, you know, uh, we, we recently did an episode about why my favorite book of all time is Frankenstein because it's not just monster bad, it's the complexities of creation and life and raising and, you know, what it means to be human, what it means to have a soul, all of this stuff. Very, very complex themes, especially for like Mary Shelley's day. But again, you know, whenever it's turned into a movie, it's raw, fire, bad, and it's just unfortunate. But that's the thing we we need this complexity. It's it's what gives us life. So uh, this is a little bit new to me. So I just want to
0: make sure that I understand. Are are you saying that because? We don't prune those connections. We can essentially keep more items of context available to our thoughts. We can just, oh, yeah. okay, so we can literally consider As a matter more of fact, things.
2: Yeah. Uh, have you seen, a, uh, I'll, I'll show you a picture of uh, the neurons. Uh, this is the difference between our neurons and neurotypical neurons because of the lack of pruning. Uh, because they will actively dissolve dendrites and all these little dots.
1: What we're looking at, you guys are like two tree pictures, and one tree has like three branches, and another tree has like five branches with branches off the branches and more branches coming soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I I would argue, I'm gonna take a little devil's advocate position here. I would argue it is more efficient to have. A a, a more of a Charlie Brown tree. (laughs) Um, I feel like it would in a world with eighty five percent of people who have a similar tree. Like it is, it's pretty efficient. It's pretty inefficient of us the way we go so deep. I think it's more joyful. Like I think it's more accurate. I think it's more truthful. But everybody. Just like walking around, bypassing and missing ninety-seven percent of shit. Ninety-eight percent. I guess they tune out ninety-eight percent of all sensory
2: data. What?
1: Wow.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because they, again, so they've done all these tests with fMRI's, MRIs, CAT scans, PET scans, uh, high-definition fiber tracking software. Oh, uh, and and that's the thing because they they literally cannot hear. the the, their brains have a sensory bottleneck to where they can only attune to a certain amount of information at a time because of the pruning so uh whereas we pick up on like the the buzzing of lights and feeling of our socks and all this stuff and like right now i uh, we need to readjust because like oh my butt is in this one place for too long Hmm. and all that stuff it's something that they just don't process because their neurology says, oh, yeah, we don't have to worry about that. So you're telling
0: me that when I get in my car and I hear, whoa, 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 and I ask my wife, how long has the car been doing that? And she says, doing what? That, right.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah. She, she, <laughs> so, so this is another thing that uh, leads to what we call habituation, because neurotypical people, when they experience a sensation for long enough, they just delete that response. Like, you know, so the great. check engine light, they put a tape over the check engine light and all of a sudden it's not there anymore. <laughs> so when when They're the like, thing oh, happens we for near so long. live the train
1: tracks, but you just can't yeah. hear the train after a while. I'm like, you can't? Can you feel it? How about that? Because yeah. I can <laughs> feel it and hear it.
2: <laughs> and, and because we don't prune our synapses like that, we don't habituate. Everything is... Equally as strong the first time as it is the next time, and it's it's one of those things that we just don't get used to. And people say, "What do you mean this is bothersome?" I deal. Uh, I I've just tune it out. We can't. Yeah, right. That seems in
1: like day, it seems like my day. I walked uphill both ways.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it seems like
0: yeah. um, that there might be some self preservation that's happening in that because yeah, there seems like there's quite a bit of anxiety and depression and stress that I have that I bring on myself by worrying about every single possible outcome of
2: the unknown. And and this is a big thing that I tell people, this is the reason why we do autistic centered therapy because uh, allistic anxiety comes from like a lack of serotonin, lack of dopamine, lack of norepinephrine. Uh, Our anxiety comes from the constant processing of all those variables, the fear of the unknown, the fear of how these things are going to interact what will happen tomorrow? Will my CO two tank run out? We're constantly monitoring thousands of variables, and it's taxing on our systems. And the depression usually comes from the fact that when we say, "Oh yes, I'm worried about this, this, and this," and somebody will say, "Well, just don't," and we're like,
1: Ugh. Yeah. "Yeah, let me make so, a note." People would say that to me, just like, "Relax, okay? Yeah, got it. Yeah. I'm on it. I'm on it." Hey, I haven't thought of that. Thank
2: you for your input. <laughs>
0: So one of the things that, Angela, you told me once before when I was expressing the emotion that I got when I stare into my fish tank, you talked about the long goodbye that... Normies mm. have like every mm-hmm. when I go to Thanksgiving dinner at my in laws yeah. and it's time to go and I've been <laughs> sitting in the car for thirty minutes because we said we were going right so that's what I'm doing
1: why are so do you guys still up there talking <laughs> right and they even tell so, them that they're like. I am so sorry. We really have to leave. We have to get home. We will see you later. Your th- your brain is like, we are for sure leaving because they just said we really have to go. The really must mean we really have... Nope. Fooled again. Mm. It means let's spend 30 minutes talking.
0: <laughs> but you, you mentioned... I think that um, the the part of my brain that gets lit up when I am emotionally connecting with this world is the same part of the brain that lights up when my family is saying goodbye to each other for 20 minutes.
1: Yep. And I love them. Because what... (laughs) Yeah, what what connects for them is like people, relationships. And this is the, this is the survival thing is like, if I'm nice to these people and build this relationship, I will survive through community, not through accuracy, not through truth, not through information, not through understanding how the pH levels work. But these people are just gonna protect me and make sure we have food and they'll go out on the hunt and they'll bring back the buffalo or whatever they're gonna do. So that that part of your brain that lights up is like, this will ultimately keep me safe. So this feels good. Mm. Whereas for us, when you like measure people's brains, it doesn't light up on our special interest. We're like, this will keep me safe and alive, which is probably not true, but maybe.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, My wall of lightsabers will come in handy at some point. Mm -hmm. If any Sith come (laughs) in, I got them. So Yeah.
1: (laughs) Because that's the thing. Our
2: our special interests make us who we are. And I, I tried at length to explain this to my son. My son is autistic. My ex is not. And I tried at length to explain Star Wars to me is like your grandmother to you. And because this is an important part of my life, I, I love the universe. I love the characters. I love Doctor Who. I love Star Trek. I love Legos. I love Transformers. These are all integral parts of my identity. And all these worlds that I play in, they they make my soul fulfilled and happy. And she said, well, you should pay more attention to your grandmother. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, I don't understand. So it's it, it's a very, it, it's it's a very, hard thing to this cross neurotype communication is very, very difficult for couples who are of mixed neurotypes mm-hmm. because trying to equate the joy in one area to someone else's joy in a different area, the, it's, it gets lost in translation.
0: My wife was watching me watch my printers uh, a, <laughs> yes. a while ago. And uh, like they're on, they're on a platform so that they're at eye height. I I, of built, course. I built a stand that was it's it's silly the 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 thing that they're on is like seventeen or eighteen inches high it's a stupid table, but I knew how tall the printer was going to be, and I knew that I wanted to be right here wh- where the nozzle was coming out, and I would spend hours watching this thing snatch around in these really fast movements, and it would be so utterly precise over and over and over and over again. And the the beauty that I saw in the continuous, flawless execution of the system that I built was so much. It was so fulfilling to see that I did that. I'm keeping this together. I know how to make this thing go from sick to healthy and I can make it that's when I got my satisfaction out. And she could see the, the endearing look in my eye when I could see my kids sprinting down the track successfully. And But I struggle to connect with my kids because the things that they are doing are seemingly normal. And it seems like they don't need me specifically to help them with their journey through life now. So... I all, I don't, my priorities are are a bit weird with that too. I I tend to have my special interests high, high, high up on my priority list.
2: Well, that's, that's how we do things. And I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate in that uh, when when you talk about designing the system to perfection, uh, I, I was never a train kid growing up, but my son loves Thomas the train. We, I have bought ridiculous amounts of tracks for him and he will build across the entire living room into the kitchen if there is space to use he will use it and just watching the joy on his face as he puts tracks together that doesn't work put track together. there oh that works put it over a bridge over this and then the train will just go continuously for hours among this system that he has created that's where his joy lies and uh, I will say do you want a hug no Do you want to hug? No, Uh, uh, but you know, when he's happy and when it runs and when it runs perfection, he's just joyful with the joy in his eyes and he'll sit and clap and rock and that I can totally, I I, I never was, again, never did trains before, but now I understand the joy that comes from that system. Mm -hmm. That system is creation itself. And it is so beautiful and so wondrous. And there's such a mystery there that it's. It, you, you brought a working thing from nothing. You took raw materials and now there is a working thing. Mm-hmm. It's like the, an expert watchmaker with all the intricacies of the system. And it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I hope that everyone gets to have that, that fulfillment of the system because it's, it, it's a soul touching moment. It's, Again, it's like for what other people might describe a religious experience to be able to commune with the infinite. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool. It really is.
1: We are thrilled to announce the launch of the Autistic Culture Podcast Tee Public Store. Woohoo! You can now get t shirts, hoodies, mugs, and more featuring original designs related to autism and our show. Whether you want
2: to showcase your autistic pride, spark conversations, or just share your love of the podcast, we've got some cool merch options for you.
1: And guess what? Our paid subscribers on Substack get a special 10% off code for the store. If you subscribe to our newsletter at autisticculture.substack.com, you will get exclusive subscriber content plus a 10% discount code you could use at our T Public merch store.
2: Every purchase helps support our show. So if you want to proudly display your autism ally status and values, browse the store today and be sure to tag us on social media showing off your gear.
1: We just want to say thanks to all of our listeners and our paid subscribers, especially for making this podcast possible. All of the money from our tea Public store goes to pay our amazing staff. And we could not do this without your support. We hope you love the merchandise. I love it, Matt.
2: I, I'm very excited about it. I can't wait for my mugs and magnets and stickers and uh, various pillows to show up because there's a certain source of pride that comes from having your quote on a pillow. So I'm excited.
1: Find us at Tee Public or look for the link in the show notes. I was going to bring up the Friends, Family, and Fictional Characters t-shirt ah. that we have. And that's in our I love story. that. I'm and so would, glad we have that. But I would say that also, I don't know, Matt, that's your. That's one of your points of Autistic Center Therapy, but I feel like that extends to pets or even printers.
2: Yes, exactly. Because yeah.
1: it, it doesn't have to be a person to have a meaningful relationship.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 the system that we create. it's our collections. it's it's our gardens. it's 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 that which we have br- our libraries. We have that sense of curation. We have that sense of the data collection, the understanding. Uh, and again, a lot of people will say, oh, I know you like pancakes. So I made pancakes. But we are like, well, I know you like this and this and this and this and this because I've done all the details and I've researched this and researched this and researched this. And that—that that is where we have our joy, that we understand these things. We have become experts on these arcane topics and it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful. But then joy people are like, "Why are you talking about
1: that so much? Or why have you done that much research?" <sighs> like, so many people are like, "And when I I want to talk about the biosphere a little bit and some of the plants you have in there and how you've curated them, because to me, what I heard like, not into gardening, don't have an aquarium." I'm not connecting with you because I want this information for my aquarium. I'm moving to England in six months. I'm not getting an aquarium. What I connected with was the love and the care and the thought Like, I was like, what? You thought that the colors, you made this alien connection and you're like, I will have something totally natural and a spaceship will land in it. So share a little bit about the biosphere itself, because that really made me like, I felt closer to you, not because I wanted it for me. But I was like, rather than small talk where you tell me about, yeah. I don't know, the ego eagles or something, like, I don't know. I was like, wow, what a cool and interesting person. I feel closer to Daniel. I feel like you were vulnerable with me in telling me the research that went into it. That's like what makes a wizard. me feel closer to someone.
2: You have this yeah. arcane yeah. knowledge. And again, I don't understand it, but my God, I want to know all about it. <laughs>
1: I was like, I know someone uh, so cool. Like that makes me feel close to you. Not like small talk about the weather or something. Anyway, tell me about your biosphere again. I love it.
0: Yeah. So I've got a combination of a few different types of plants. Um, I selected them almost exclusively based on how they look. Um, But there is, there were some of the considerations, especially with these vines that you can see coming up and then wrapping yes. over, they have a lot of individual surface area to grow biofilm, which is the thing that shrimp pick at Ooh. the most. Um, but for the most part, it was it was texture. It was uh, what I expected to see in nature kind of growing together. Um, like the plants that I find in the desert are... Very different from the plants that I find in the Northeast, Um, and there are websites that uh, that you can go on that have ridiculous amounts of uh, different plants. And uh, I essentially just kept scrolling and looking and saving screenshots of images and putting things together until I I started to create a theme, and then since then. I've planted and the tank has changed. It changes. It's, it's overall look changes pretty significantly every two months or so, because I wait for it to grow in and I wait until the fish have very little space to swim around. And then I bring out the scissors and the tweezers and I cut everything down. I transplant different plants uh, to different parts of the tank. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that aside from the, the general selection based on the aesthetics, I also wanted to make sure that there was plenty of hiding spaces, um, which is why I've got this really difficult-to-deal-with moss. If, you if you're thinking about setting up a planted tank and you think you want moss in it, be ready to have moss in your tank forever ah, because some of it will come off, some of it will get somewhere else, and you will never be able to get it all out. So, but it's a really, really good place for the little tiny baby shrimp to hide when they're first born because if they can fit in the mouth of a fish, a fish will gladly gobble it up.
1: And you have fish in that tank too. It's why, why don't you just have shrimp? Why do you have fish in the tank? Well,
0: mm, why do I have fish? I think that I have fish in there because I wanted there to be more life and more movement. Um, So I went on the quest of trying to find out, are there types of fish that I can keep in this tank where they will not significantly jeopardize the likelihood of shrimp reproduction? So there are two species of rasbora in here. You can see the green ones that are swimming around really actively. Um, and if you have caught a glimpse of a bright red one, okay. um, it would have probably been hiding amongst the roots. But there's a bunch of little red rasboras, And they're all fully grown. So a shrimp would have to be within its first week of life to fit in their mouths. Mm-hmm. They they My adult shrimp are larger than those fish. Um, the other two species of fish that are in here, I have an octolinus catfish, which is the smallest species of catfish in the world. Um, they look like suckerfish, and I don't think I see one right apparent, but if you see something stuck to the glass over the next little bit, then that'd be a catfish. And then the thing that kind of looks like a snake, if you've seen one of those, oh, see one of those uh, swirl time. around in yeah. the background... There's a uh, there's a couple of loaches and uh, they're almost blind. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, maybe I've lost some, but I, I I've never seen them interact. So uh, and I, I spend a lot of time just looking every morning when I come into my office.
1: So I know it's a special interest, but do you think it's also a stim for you? looking at them? Like, do you think the movement is like uh, um, regula- emotionally regulating just to look at it?
0: It's definitely emotionally regulating just to look at it. The word stim's used a bunch of different ways, so I'm not a 100% sure uh, what it means. But it is definitely something that I seek out for some calm and emotional comfort. I think that one of the things that I do almost every single day unless there's some kind of a catastrophe going on and my morning routine is interrupted. Uh, I'm sure all of you can relate to a Mm -hmm. morning routine. Mm -hmm. I've heard that's Mm -hmm. something. (laughs) Without fail, I come in and I sit in this chair and spend 15 to 20 minutes at least and I look at every different spot. It's something new. I look at how the fish have moved the landscape around. These little orange pebbles will get tossed around by the loaches as they slam around the tank at night. Um, And uh, the plants will grow and things will change. And I like to see how the ecosystem has evolved overnight because there is a significant amount of Difference that happens in just one night in the tank, especially with the floating plants, they just rearrange themselves, um, and a lot of the other plants will unfold their leaves completely overnight. So a whole new—that's uh, actually happening. Let me see if I can get over there and see. Right here, you can see that orange leaf that's in the middle mm-hmm. of these big green leaves, and this this plant is called an anubius. I've got several different sizes and types of anubias here's some more of them but that orange leaf right there was not there yesterday Ooh. yesterday it was a white spike and the day before that it was a green spike and it's just how the new leaves come into the tank and unfold and they have little holes in them and i like to see and predict whether or not those holes are going to fill in or if it's going to be like a spotted leaf and i just i I don't know. There's just so much to see that I just spend a decent amount of time going in there. I don't, I'm not just looking at it.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm going in when I
1: look. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm... Um, uh, um, An ironic deep safe. dive
2: into your aquarium. Yeah,
1: deep, yeah. Uh, deep dive, deep
0: dive. It's, it's almost as if I'm... It's like I'm coexisting with them. It's like I build this perfectly stable world and I control this whole world and nothing happens in here unless I command it or unless I make the mistake. But it's under my control. There is no chaos in your realm. Right. Unless I decide to turn it on, which sometimes <laughs> yeah, I yeah, do. exactly, Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's stable for me. And, and I get to provide that for them. So there's a lot of accomplishment when I see that they're growing and I see that they are thriving and when I fixed the problems that I have had when I'm learning along the way. My kids, when they got their fish tank, it was the first time that I'd had a fish tank on city water. I come from a very rural area in the South, and we've always been on well water. And my childhood fish tanks were on well water, and I stocked them with stuff that I caught out of the pond and out of the creeks. So I don't have to worry about chlorine and hardness, but I killed all of my kids' fish the day we got them, my kid ran upstairs on December 26th and said, Daddy, come look at the fish. They're all being lazy and sleeping. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, they're either just laying on the ground or they're just laying on the top. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So now I have a reverse osmosis and deionization system. And I know specifically how to remineralize water so that it is the most optimum for each environment, whether it be a tropical fish tank or a shrimp tank or depending on what kind of a biosphere I'm trying to recreate.
1: In fact, so optimum, you now have too many shrimp in one tank. I want to talk about the intersection of special interests. One of your special interests is 3D printing. One of your interests is making shrimp happy. So happy they reproduce like wild. Uh, Talk about one (laughs) of your latest designs with your 3D printer.
0: Yeah, so special interests. Um, it, when 3D printers were something that fascinated me, when I heard the concept of you can draw it on your computer, and then a machine will make that thing. And uh, I went down a rabbit hole. Actually, I got into 3D printing shortly after I was no longer the director of marketing for your company. It was one of the kind of um, special interests that I gained uh, to keep my mind occupied during that transition time. Um, and I got one. It was a regular couple of hundred-dollar printer that you would buy from the, the local store. And uh, I was fascinated by that. Within two months, my knowledge and experience on how to build and tune 3D printers had surpassed average of what I would find in the Facebook communities. And I was having to like speak directly to the developers of the firmware and speak directly to manufacturers to figure out how I could attach accelerometers to the machine so that I could... Fine tune the vibration characteristics of the nozzle as it slings itself back and forth because you can sling these printers, you can make them sling the nozzle back and forth. But if you don't accurately predict and then counteract the, the vibration that will happen when you bring that nozzle suddenly to a stop, if you don't proactively tune that, then it's going to go blah, blah 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 blah. Yeah, uh, you'll get a little wiggle and you won't have pretty stuff. So I became fascinated. I I, I started mastering CAD software. I'd I'd done some basic graphic design, but I'd not done any 3D modeling before within a couple of months because it's all I would do all day long every day is trying to master this particular skill. Um, I learned how to draw on my computer really good and then print things. Um, The most recent thing that I made, it's super simple. It's just uh, like a cylinder that's got some holes in it and a little funnel, and it functions quite perfectly as a shrimp trap. Uh, One of my tanks is significantly overpopulated. Uh, In fact, it's uh, even though I have caught so many shrimp in the last few days out of the tank, I had another mama die this morning uh, when I came in, when the female, um, when she goes, uh, I guess we will, most people are probably familiar with the term "in heat" for dogs. Um, I'm sure there's a medically appropriate term for people grow animals, but yeah, whenever right. my sh- yeah, ready to breed. whenever my shrimp are in heat, um, you can see this uh, growth on their back that starts right where the base of the neck would be if they were built like us. And there'll be a cluster of a different color uh, underneath the skin that will grow down the tail. And once it gets almost to the end of the tail, and that's the the, the ovary sac. that's where there's all the eggs, they, 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 they um, form right underneath the top layer of the exoskeleton on the back of the soft part of the internal shrimp. Shrimp, uh, when they shed their skin, kind of like uh, snakes do, they keep one layer on, and that's the hard exoskeleton that they walk around in. Uh, And then as they grow bigger, they literally bend over. Uh, If you've seen the image of a shrimp that's curved Mm -hmm. where it's got its tail near its head, the only reason shrimp do that is to break their back, and they just squeeze until they get a crack in the spine, and then they squirm their little body out through the back. I'm fascinated and horrified. They do this. Please continue. (laughs) So oh, it gets better. Um, So they do that when they're growing. So I'm just too big for my shell. Or they do that when they have filled their back sack full of eggs and are ready to breed. So the female will take her exoskeleton off and now she's very soft. The skin is not hardened yet. Um, and she's very vulnerable, but she also puts out a pheromone that makes all the boys go wild. And I can tell definitively when I walk in the room that this has happened because all of the male shrimp will be forming like a tornado around the tank. They'll they're they're swimming around in circles, diving under Her milkshake the milkshake.
1: Bought the boys to the yard.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, when it gets overpopulated like that, like it has been in here. Um, I think they keep trying for a long time after the deed has been done. And well even, you
1: have to explain the deed. You can't skip the good part. Tell them how tell them how they do the thing.
0: The birds yeah, and the so, bees and um, the shrimp. Yeah, let's talk yeah, about the, shrimp. Sex. The shrimp and the bees. <laughs> so when the male finds his prey, um, she like <laughs> like like I said, she's put off a pheromone, so not necessarily prey. She just doesn't want it to happen the second time. Um so he will show up, he finds her, and he jumps on her back, kind of like giving a piggyback ride. Um, most people, uh, at least I think most people, think that the mouth of the shrimp is here where it looks like it is, uh, but it's actually kind of right here on their chest. Um, that's, you'll see them grab things. They bring it kind of towards their mouth, but it's to put it in their like chest or neck hole. Um, and I think their reproductive organs come out of that. I can't see to see exactly what happens, but he puts his chest against her back, uses his hand to grab something from his body. And then he pushes it through her skin. Like I mentioned, the skin after she has recently shed, that exoskeleton is very soft. And I'm not sure if it is penetration of skin, like a needle it would, or if it's like between layers, but they're, he shoves it into her. Um, the, the, and, and from what I've read on the internet, it's described as a ring of sperm. So I don't, I guess there's like a, a donut that's passed off. Now comes the cool <laughs> part. So she goes and she can tell that this is done. She bucks him off and she tries to run from the rest of them. And uh, when she finds this safe place, Shrimp have the six legs on the bottom, and that's not counting the ones that they use to put stuff in their mouth, just the ones they walk on. Um, and, and they'll go and they'll anchor down to something. It'd be either on a rock or on a stem, something pretty solid. They'll anchor down to something. And um, when that happens, they what they're doing is they lock their body into that specific position and they pull their arm out of their arm. The exoskeleton is in place, but what was inside it moving it will come in. This happens with the little hands that they eat with up front, they completely disappear and their eyes will go inside their body. Once they're just a husk of this exoskeleton on the shrimp that are Clear enough for you to see it. I can't see it on my on my really cool shrimp because they're 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 not transparent at all. But the neocardina shrimp, you can see it because some of them are clear and some of them are are fifty percent opacity. Let's say so you can see the interior structure of their body. And what you'll watch the female do is once she pulls her whole body inside the exoskeleton, she'll around and take chunks of these eggs from her back. And I haven't seen this part, but the internet describes that she manually passes each egg through the sperm that has been given to her. And then after, and then in groups, takes these eggs from her back and then pushes them out a hole that's on her stomach. When you see a shrimp, kind of like a lobster, they're anatomically similar. You've got the big tail that flaps that gives them most of their propulsion when they want to move quickly. And then you've got these series of flaps that are on the bottom of the tail, and that provides their fine movement. When the female has fertilized the eggs, she takes them out of her body and then puts them in those flaps that she's supposed to use for like hover swimming and, and getting around. And in those flaps, she there's several of them, she keeps the whole bundle of eggs essentially in her hands because she uses those things for moving for up to a month. And she holds these eggs on the outside of her body. There is an instinct that they have to where they will flutter the, 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 the little flaps Enough so that water circulates and that all of the egg, none of the eggs, kind of go stale. Um, And she will reach around with one set of legs and manually rearrange the eggs. The ones that are deepest in the pocket will come to the front, and the ones that are in the front will go to the back. It's a constant cycle of moving the eggs around to keep them fresh. And from what I understand, it has to do with preventing bacterial or fungal growth on the eggs. Who knows how they figured out that that's what you need to do. Um, but that's what they do. They go inside their bodies. That is fascinating. <laughs> Can you imagine? That, wow. Like,
1: this is the alien theme. Seriously. I mean, mm, I wow. feel like Sigourney Weaver needs to be around for some of this. Yeah,
2: that is trippy. I had absolutely no idea about any of this. And yeah. Yeah. And, and I didn't either. I I had no idea either. And
0: I don't think most people do. Even a lot of shrimp. Breeders. I have heard descriptions of shrimp breeding and no one has ever described to me what I just described to yeah. you. I've read about it from like some more like research papers that study shrimp, but I've no, nobody in the hobby seems to notice that this is happening. Yeah. And I think it's because you've got to be there, you've got to be watching. Yeah. She's tiny. Her skin on the inside is a similar color to the skin on the outside. So you really have to be paying attention to see that this is happening. And it really just kind of looks like a shrimp is standing still unless you get in there and look.
2: Yeah, and that, then this some- really makes me want to research hardcore pornography.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, um, and with that note, oh, oh my goodness.
2: Like our show? Here's how you can help. When you tell someone about this show, it helps make the world a friendlier place for autistic people. And when you rate or review us in your podcast player, it helps people find us. It really matters. And if you're PDA, I totally understand. Uh, uh, you cannot not do this and it will still work out.
1: Well, Daniel, I have to say, I could not have enjoyed this discussion more. Um, I, Matt, any... Any thoughts or observations that you would like I'm, to share? I'm just
2: delighted by the about systems. the magic of special. Yeah, I'm, I'm just delighted by the intensity and the systems and the understanding and the the the, the universes that you create to create the universes you create. Is this this meta creation? Ah, my hat is off to you. If I wore hats, uh, plenty of helmets. Off to you. So yeah, uh, I am. I am. I am amazed. Well done. Uh, we we got to have you back and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have more, you know, footage with the YouTube stuff. So it's, I, I am really, that's, that's, you're super cool. Thank you for coming on. Cause that's awesome.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me. I'll make sure that I send over some pictures and even some video of yes. if people want to see some really up close action. Wow. I guarantee you've not seen anything like this.
1: No, no, we have not. So we will, we'll put it up there. Daniel, I want to end with one last question. We often talk at the end of the show about what's your favorite thing about being autistic. And I want to ask you that question, but I also know that you are a recently diagnosed, late diagnosed autistic. Um, and, After this conversation, Matt, you will be surprised to learn that Daniel asked me, do you think I'm autistic? And then we had a conversation over several days about it. I'm not sure what we were. Yeah, I I was like, I don't think so. I don't know because, well, that's what I said. I was like, I, I could see that you're neurodivergent, but... I've never seen your special interests like this. And uh, I experienced you in a work context, Mm -hmm. you know, from a resume and a job interview, even though I was out as autistic and I had... Uh, In your interview process, I had some of my team members explain your boss is autistic. Here's what that means. Mm -hmm. Like I had some other employees sit you down and say, this is what it means to have an autistic boss. Are you sure you want this job? But, um, But I didn't experience this side of you. I mean, I liked you tremendously, but I like you... So much more living into the fullness of who you are as an autistic person. So I'm going to twist our regular question and ask you in the time since you have self-identified as autistic, how has your life changed for the better? What do you like most about knowing you are autistic? (sighs)
0: I figured out that I was autistic maybe April or May. Um, And uh, like I said, I I had taken a couple of online quizzes and you were like, I don't know, that doesn't make sense to me. What quizzes are you taking? And I said this and you're like, no, take this. And I told you my rads and you were like, there's no way. It's higher than mine. And then I was like, I, yeah, I don't get it either because I don't think that I. Here's how I would have said it at the time I don't think that I'm as autistic as you because I think <laughs> at the time it was way more obvious that you were autistic and that I wasn't. And here's hmm. the reason I grew up in the South and I'm bisexual. I'm also, I was also autistic, which means that I was a weird kid. And I was either it was either abused out of me physically or emotionally at 17 years old as an autistic bisexual guy i joined the army The south right from the south i joined the u.s army
1: christian background yeah Mm -hmm. so i
0: joined the u.s army in a point of time it was at the end of my army career that it was finally
2: okay to be out of the closet Uh, I'm not sure about autism in the Army. Um, I'm pretty sure they won't let you join if you're autistic, which is a whole thing in itself. But
1: Yeah, I mean... Another reason self-diagnosis is acceptable. Because an official diagnosis could affect that. To get to the root of yeah, the question. Yeah, I experienced you as an army guy. We talked We talked about a lot of military stuff. You have a military wife, you're a military family.
0: Yes, it, you were my boss. And I know that I need to make sure that my boss perceives me as stable, perceives me as uh, normal, perceives me as a productive member of the team that's on the same page. There's a lot of things that I knew that I needed to conduct myself in a specific way, depending on what the relationship was. Now, it leads back to what you asked me next. When I told you my rads, you were like, here, take this test, the cat Q. And I came back with a very high cat Q number, which is masking and hiding the traits. And everything made sense. It, there, was, there was a couple of week period where I went from I've spent the last 15 years in weekly cognitive behavioral therapy sessions with a variety of healthcare providers and mental health providers trying to figure out how I can get away from wanting to blow my brains out. Because... I, for the life of me, I am smarter than most people that I meet. I am trying more than most people that I meet, but I can't figure out how to be the last 10 to 20% human. And I just wanna know how to feel love like I see on TV, how to feel joy like I see in other people's lives. And once I realized that there's not 10 to 20% more for me to go to be normal and that actually the more that I look into it, I am more normal than at least now. I think that I'm the normal one. I think we are the normal ones, and we're in a weird ass world of people that are doing stuff yep, that makes this no is sense. The way. When I crossed that mm. line, so much anxiety and depression was gone. There was so much freedom that I had to not worry about these relationships that I wasn't having. But I wondered why, and it enabled me to be authentically me. You didn't see me. I had to censor myself because I'm animated and I'm I mean, excited. And I, I
1: liked you, and I knew you were smart. We always got along. Like I loved working with you. The quality of work was good. The whole team liked you. But like, I didn't know you. And in the last six months, I'm like, I fucking love this guy. Like, yeah. And that's the reason guy? why we have I,
2: trouble forming relationships. Because when we hide our vibe, we can't vibe with people right. that vibe with us. Because it's survival. Yeah. I, I,
0: I think if I would have known about the double empathy thing, I probably would have figured out that I was autistic while I was working with you. Because I felt like I was one of the few that didn't feel like sometimes Angela's just crazy and it doesn't make any sense. And we just have to go with it. Or, um, yeah,
1: you said everyone sort of warned you, but you're like, I don't get it. She's it. Yeah. Oh, she seems to make sense to All me. Of these traits I, that people,
0: I remember what I asked Robin and Ben on that thing. Cause I it was, I was at the end of that part of my interview and I said, Hey, Angela told me that I'm supposed to ask you about what's, different about working with her as a boss comparatively to bosses that I've had before. And they went into telling me that you're autistic and told me a few different things about how that means to work with you. And I was like, this sounds like exactly the kind of boss that I want. <laughs> or,
2: She's going to she tell you
1: exactly what she wants. Yeah, right. I
0: said, I said, is she is if she I don't care. I want her to be direct. I want her to tell me that I'm doing a bad job if I'm doing a bad job and to cut at the heart of it. Is she disrespectful when she does it? And they thought for a second, they thought for a second. And they both said something along the lines of, ah, uh, I don't think so. And no, you're not. But neurotypical people might perceive it that way. It's hard for me to give feedback.
1: it is perceived that way, yeah. (laughs) Feedback isn't, like, criticism is
0: good. If you're trying to give direction and guidance, it's better than just saying, ah, go figure it out and try something else. I want you to tell me exactly what to do, Angela, so that I can do exactly what it is that you need me to do.
1: Why would we, why would you not want, like, yeah. why would you not want that? Please don't give me feedback so that I could do the wrong thing so that you're paying me for something you don't want. And I'm working really hard on something you don't need. I, yeah. What?
0: Yeah. I like that why you don't waste you my time do- either. When I'm going on this path, you would just say, no, no, this is stupid. And this is why. And I was like, oh yeah, you've done this thing before. I hadn't considered that. Let me redirect where,
1: Somebody or sometimes else. I said to you, "This is brilliant, but mm-hmm. I, it's not a priority right now." Mm-hmm. So, like, you have to stop doing that. Right. Like, you did some amazing work with our HubSpot, and yeah. I was like, "This is fucking incredible." It's just not a priority. We can't spend time on this, but I can recognize the work is good and useful and needed, just not the priority. Which it's my job as the boss to set the priority.
0: Do you remember and what? Yeah. Do you remember what I asked you? During one of our final employee-employer meetings, it was one of the only questions that I had for you about um, what was going to happen. And I was my fault. The thing that I was concerned about the most is that the baby that I built was going to continue to be utilized and it was going to continue doing the things. I wanted to know that the automations that I'd spent months on were going to continue to be used and that the that all of the charts and stuff that I would worked so hard to try to make it into something that would be useful for you to be able to make business decisions on. I just wanted to know that um, it didn't immediately slip back into the... Um, Chaotic kind of mess of information. You well, had to like really date.
1: Yes. Just today, uh, Ben updated the HubSpot dashboard. It's still your dashboard, but we have a new, t- new, some new 2024 modules, but the month to date still up there, year to date, all that stuff. Same dashboard. It's beautiful. And then we just updated the automatic when people reply and we give them responses. Mm-hmm. There's four different Automated responses, and I just wrote new 2024 copy with our new webinar in them. So your system is alive and well, my friend. Yay! (laughs) Yes, I love it.
0: So, but yeah, that was the answer to the question about uh, about the positive is that uh, finding out that I was autistic answered so much of the hard questions in life. It's it's I didn't have any more. Normalization to do, the thing that I now can focus on is making sure that I can be a compatible husband, that I can be a good father, that I can look out for some of the negatives, some of the challenges, maybe not necessarily negatives, but some of the challenges that are associated with it. And make sure that um, whenever my routine is interrupted, that I take a step back and You know, forgive that tragedy because everybody else is part of this life as well. Um, And things like um, speaking to my wife with more consideration. I'm not. uh, I'm not someone that ever wants to meet you at the door when you come home from work and hear about your boring day unless you've got a problem that you want to solve with me or unless there was Let's some drama <laughs> but if you want to tell me about this coworker's cousin's baby shower <laughs> i could not care less so i have learned to it started as pretending but i have learned to find ways that we can interact and it's still a big exploration but. and this
2: is the thing i, I don't understand why, why why talking about the co-workers friends baby shower is appropriate but for me to say something along the lines of yes i just did all this research about the new star wars project i don't want to tell you all about this and they say well that's very boring i don't want to hear about that why well, is it okay to say that but not okay to say about the baby shower It there needs to be that openness it's either both or a double standard so yeah i'm, I'm right. there with you
1: Newsflash double standard.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I knew this would be an amazing and fascinating conversation, Daniel. I'm so grateful for your time. I love your shrimp worlds and your aquariums. Thank you for sharing all your research with us. Uh, We want to hear about your special interests. So go ahead and share something you have learned from this podcast or something you think we should cover on the show by commenting over at autisticculture.substack.com. You can also find some amazing, pictures of Daniel's shrimp family uh, and I don't know maybe we'll come up with a clever new t-shirt with a shrimp on it uh, for our tea public store. I don't know. there's there were some good truth bombs in here so we'll see what river cooks up for us from this episode. look for a t-shirt or a mug or I don't know a sticker or something with a, one of the amazing shrimp creatures that we got to meet and get to know today. so Daniel, thank you so much. Matt, how fun uh,
2: th- was this? Incredible. I, I am delighted by it. Uh, I, yeah, uh, I, I have been entertained nonstop for the entire time. So it's been a pleasure to meet you. I, 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 I am fascinated. Thanks. It's been great to meet you.
1: Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast.
2: If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple podcasts.
1: You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com.
2: Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowerylpp.com. That's M A T T, Matt Lowry, L O W R Y L P P, as in Licensed Psychological Practitioner.com.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember,
2: no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else.
1: Special thanks to our content manager, River Robbins, and Aaron Stoner, our producer, for making us look and sound good.
0: Thank you.